0: Today we are concluding this series on the announcements that the angels made, and I'm reading from Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. That's when the wise men had gone. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene." This is a dark part of the Christmas story, a part that is hard to understand. It reminds us that Christmas comes to all of us at one time or another in the difficult and dark time and sometimes when it's Christmas the losses we have felt the disruption of family the difficulties we endure are highlighted they're heightened in our mind and our heart and we feel the pain even deeper and more profoundly so for everyone who experiences Christmas in a time of trouble. The Scripture records this terrible act by Herod the king in the slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem. Sometimes rulers oppose Christ. We think it's a new phenomenon, but it's not at all. The Bible tells us that Herod the King opposed Christ. Anytime we read in the newspaper about Christians being killed or persecuted in other places in the world, we need to pray for them. We need to feel at one with them in our faith in Jesus, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also need to realize that historically, this is the path that generations of Christians have walked. It is just often true that political leaders who intend to hold all power oppose Jesus because Christians confess Jesus is Lord. And so whether it is Castro or Lenin or Stalin or the ruler of North Korea, if he intends to hold all power unto himself, then he sees Jesus as a threat. So from the very beginning, even in his infancy, The political leader felt Jesus was a threat and he sought to kill him. And when he was crucified on the cross, there was a sign that said, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And Pilate intended to convey the notion that Jesus was crucified, was executed by the government for political insurrection because he opposed Caesar as a king of the Jews and so through these years it has been the case when we talk about religious liberty as Christians we think back to this time when Herod killed the infants when Jesus hung on a cross with this political statement above his head and what we want from our political leaders is not that they will advance our cause we do not ask favors as Christians from our political leaders, we want them to leave us alone, to practice our faith as we see fit. That's what religious liberty is all about. It is freedom of conscience, and this liberty is not granted by a government on this planet. It is granted instead by God Almighty who endowed Us with certain unalienable rights, as our Declaration of Independence says, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that governments are established among men to secure these rights. The fundamental right that we possess is liberty of conscience. We do not believe government is competent to decide what religion we should practice. Herod wanted to eliminate the Messiah. He believed the Messiah was a threat to him. We as Christians confess that Jesus is kurios, as Dr. Harwood said from the baptistry. This means that we have a single and solitary, ultimate allegiance on this planet, and it is to Jesus Christ born in a manger, died on a cross, raised from the dead, and to him alone we give our ultimate devotion. And no political leader can challenge that on this world and in any generation. So when it happens that Christians are opposed on the planet, just realize it has been our plight as Christians from the infancy of Jesus that people who do not believe there is a Messiah oppose the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Now, that disrupts families, and there are many families in this world this Christmas Day who are disrupted and displaced because of political situations, and our hearts hurt for them. Sometimes families must move. Sometimes they have to go. Joseph has this instruction from the angel. The angel says, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. The NIV says, escape to Egypt, but the King James said, flee. And so this movement to egypt has been known for centuries as the flight to egypt and the word means that you're escaping persecution and trouble and you're finding refuge in another political state which will not persecute you and so jesus as an infant is taken by his parents as the crow flies about 235 miles from jerusalem to somewhere near Cairo, Egypt. It's not very far, maybe 300 miles by roads and paths, but when you're walking, it's a long journey. And they make this long journey to seek refuge in Egypt. So we are reminded as we hear the angels' announcement that the Holy Family were refugees in Egypt. Now, somebody has said to me, Jesus was not a refugee because God knew that was going to happen. Well, the definition for a refugee is simple. It's in the word flight. They took flight because Herod wanted to kill them, all right? When somebody shows up in our land saying, the political authorities want to kill me for my belief in Jesus, we hope that they will be given asylum here. And that we will take them in as religious refugees. Similar to the pilgrims who landed on these shores and simply wanted to practice their faith as they saw fit. So the Holy Family are described here in this text as refugees. And we want to remember the refugees in our world. Some 30 million displaced people on planet earth displaced largely because of political turmoil and our hearts are with them we remember that love of neighbor in its first inception in the old covenant was to love the stranger and the alien among you why would I do that because you were once aliens and strangers in Egypt Now families move they get displaced maybe you are displaced this Christmas you feel like you know you're not home home somewhere else you had to move for economic reasons a job or school or whatever it is it's typical of families to have to move it fell on Joseph to make the decision the angel spoke to Joseph and said Joseph you're in charge here I want you to take this child and Mary and I want you to flee to Egypt it's tough orders it's difficult times and Joseph who signed on to this after the angel told him that the child was the son of God is now seeing his life further disrupted we don't know how long they were in Egypt but it was for a while And I will say to you that the disruption of your life and the displacement of your family, whatever you're feeling in this Christmas season, this too will pass. These these circumstances don't come upon us permanently. We pass through them. And that's what's going to happen with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. As the end of the passage says, the angel comes, says, okay, it's time to return home. But these moves and disruptions that happened to us are significant to us. You remember when you were a child that you moved. You may remember what an impact it had on you. I was very upset when my father moved the family from Canyoteo, Texas, 500 miles east to a little place called Richland Springs. We moved from a community where we had neighbors to a farm of 144 acres where we had pecans and, and peanuts and some wild turkeys. And really not any neighbors and I was upset about it and God made it clear to me as I prayed through it I was already a believer that this was his will for us and that I was going to be all right and I accepted this disruption and displacement as a child and looking back now I understand the plan and purpose of God in it so I would say to you if your life is disrupted this Christmas take hope take cheer God will bring you through this. You trust in Him in this time of difficulty and the displacement in your life. And He will bring you through. His call really is to trust Him. Remember the word Hebrew, okay? There are a couple theories on what the word Hebrew means. But the one I like best is the idea that a Hebrew is one who crosses over. It's a very ancient word and it's applied to Abraham. After he crossed over the great river Euphrates and went into the promised land. And someone said, that's what Hebrew means. It's one who crosses over. I think that a follower of God, a person who has faith in Christ, crosses over. There are lots of things you cross over. You trust in God as you cross the boundaries, as you cross the barriers, as you go to different places, addresses, experience new things you grow you learn and you receive that in faith I see that happening and would expect that it happened in Jesus as a child as he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man the scripture says I expect this move was something that that he experienced as a great education Jesus calls us to follow him now From his infancy, his journey is often difficult. But he says to us, follow me. And so we sign on as believers in Jesus, as people who believe that this babe in Bethlehem is the most important person who's ever lived because he is God's one and only son and the savior of the world. He is the promised one sent to save us from our sins. And he comes and says, follow me. And we sign on to this. We give him the blank check of our lives. And we say, Jesus, I believe that you are Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And I make that confession in my heart. I know that I am a sinner. And I pray that you will forgive me for my sin. And I receive you into my life as Lord and Christ. And this act of faith now is the beginning of a journey where Jesus says, follow me. And so every day in every way, in our business, in our school, and in our family, we seek to follow Jesus faithfully as people who believe he is the Savior of the world and the Son of God. I have a Christmas prayer for you. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus as personal Savior, THIS IS A PRAYER YOU COULD PRAY GO SOMETHING LIKE THIS DEAR LORD JESUS I KNOW I CAN'T SAVE MYSELF I KNOW I AM A SINNER PLEASE FORGIVE ME FOR MY SIN I BELIEVE YOU DIED ON THE CROSS FOR ME AND YOU ARE THE SAVIOR OF THE WORLD AND I RECEIVE YOU INTO MY HEART AND TRUST YOU AS MY OWN SAVIOR AND LORD THAT'S A CHRISTMAS PRAYER THAT YOU CAN PRAY I PRAYED IT LONG AGO It was a dramatic moment in my life and changed my life completely. And the scripture says, those who receive Christ, to them he gives the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name.